Welcome to the Heart-Centered Therapist Podcast, the podcast created for you, the therapist who leads with your heart and loves serving your clients. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host. I know that being a heart-centered therapist is immensely rewarding and powerful and intensely challenging and difficult. We're on this journey together. My mission is to help you continue loving your work as a therapist, surviving being a therapist, and feeling more connected as a therapist. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Heart-Centered Therapist podcast. My friend, today I have such an amazing guest, and I can't wait for you to meet her. Today, I'm bringing on Lee Shay McDonough. Lee is an ICF certified business coach and the founder of Coach with Clarity, her unique framework for helping you tap into your wisdom, serve your clients in truly life-changing ways, and create a business that thrives. She is also the host of the Coach with Clarity podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, and the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Act on Your Business, Braving the Storms of Entrepreneurship and Creating Success Through Meaning, Mindset, and Mindfulness. After over a decade as a clinical social worker and public health professional, Lee became credentialed as a coach through the International Coach Federation, ICF, and now provides ICF-accredited initial training and continuing education for intuitive, innovative coaches. Lee's passion is to help creative, innovative professionals discover how to combine their talents, experience, and intuition to become transformational coaches and successful business owners. Welcome, Lee. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, Cindy. I am so excited to be here. You and I, we go way back. So it's such an honor to be on your show. Yes, thank you. We do. We were just saying maybe to 2018. Uh, probably a, a year before your book was published. I remember you working on your book. Her book is amazing. We will talk more about that. And, you know, we met in an online course. Like this mm -hmm. is possible, right? It's absolutely possible. In fact, I think back with such fondness to the little cohort that we created, you and me and Melody Wilding. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you were there when my business really started to take shape and become what it is today. I had a I had a big pivot going on in 2018 and you were yes. right there in such a huge support. So it just feels like it's coming full circle to now be on your show and to talk more about it. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. And a shout out to Melody. I see what you're doing and congratulations on your book too. It's amazing. And it's, it's fantastic. Yes. And Lee, I still have like your initial PDF on like how to transition from therapy to coaching. It's still a PDF in my computer. Do you I'm really? Not kidding. Yes. Oh I really my do. goodness. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. So we worked hard on things and it was, it was really great. And so now yes, full circle. I know a little bit about you, but share with our listeners a little about this personal and professional journey. You were a therapist, you were in public health, you were in veterans affairs, you were in like a lot of things. And then you transitioned from therapist to coach. I did. You know, the transition started in 2015 when my husband got out of the Air Force. We moved back to the United States after living in Germany for four years, which was mm. amazing. Wow. And because we had such a huge transition going from military to civilian life, 
My kids were learning how to be Americans because they had basically grown up in Europe. And my husband had bought a dental practice. He was a periodontist. So we had a lot going on. (laughs) And so I decided, let me press pause. Let me focus on supporting my family through this transition. And after about nine months, I got the itch to return to some sort of professional work. Mm -hmm. And yet I had this sense that I was ready for a challenge outside of mental health. I loved my time as a therapist and I still have the greatest respect for therapy and therapists. Like we need them desperately. Yeah. And at the same time, I was like, I think I want to do something a little different. Hmm. And while all of this was going on, my husband was learning how to be a business owner in addition to a clinician, because he is and was an extraordinary periodontist. But the idea of running a business, that's not something the Air Force or dental school prepares you for. And so I remember watching him try to navigate this and thinking, gosh, I wish there was someone out there who could support him, almost like Mm -hmm. a therapist for your business. And then the more research I did, that's what led me to coaching. And that was ultimately the spark that got me started. So almost like within your family, how to help my husband's business really succeed. That's exactly right. And and so then it was the more research I did, the more I started to think, okay, I have experience as a therapist. I also have small business experience now that I've supported my husband in his transition. I think I could merge the two. I think I could do this. I could go into coaching. And so that's what inspired me to start my studies. I completed a coach training program. I got credentialed. I started my business. In hindsight, I must admit, starting my business while he was buying his, maybe not the best timing, but we made (laughs) it work. (laughs) Right. Oh my goodness. That's great. Well, and the whole transition back to the civilian world and your kids growing. I mean, there was a lot going on. There yeah. really was. And I think, you know, when I when I think back about those early years of my coaching practice, 2016, 2017, I really struggled. It was really hard at the beginning. And part of it was because I had a lot of identity work that I needed to do around this. I had spent pretty much from the time I was 14 years old on either wanting to be a therapist, studying to be a mm. therapist, Mentor, receiving mentorship and, and oversight, and then finally becoming one. And so my whole identity was around being a social worker and a therapist. Mm-hmm. And here I was moving into this new field. And I really thought to myself, okay, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to abandon this career, which sounds really dire, but that's how I was thinking at the time. Right. If I'm going to do this, I have to to make it work. I've got to do whatever it takes to make it work. And in my mind, making it work looked like creating a corporate and executive coaching company because that's what I saw other successful coaches doing, Mm -hmm. which is great if you love corporate and executive coaching, but that's not me. And that's not what I wanted to do. And so I had built this business that didn't reflect who I was, what I valued, what I wanted to do. And so 18 months in, I was feeling really lost. I was feeling really lonely. I was having some serious regret about moving away from my therapy career. And it was right around that time, actually, that I went through a series of programs, including the one you and I were in. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really started embracing my expertise as a coach and putting myself out there as a business coach and then ultimately a coach trainer. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, that was pretty vulnerable and I really appreciate that. And I know so many of our listeners have been in that place where, you know, 
early on, they knew they wanted to be a therapist or a social worker and help people. And everything is directed toward that. And then you get into it and something is just not quite right. Something might be missing. And then you, you, you shared this identity crisis as a coach, right? Thinking, oh, this is what I can do, merging these things. And we have so many iterations of growth to go through. If nothing else, that's what, that's what it tells me. Like the growing is always happening. (laughs) That's exactly right. And, and I hope I'm not done growing. I want to continue to grow, but you know, the term growing pains, that's, a thing literally i have a 16 year old son who is literally having growing pains right now but oh. i think metaphorically it exists too and so when yeah. we are in a period of expansion there's often contraction that accompanies it and that can be really painful and mm-hmm. so i had to remind myself that just because i was feeling unmoored just because i was in a period of really intense discomfort didn't mean i was doing anything wrong it just is what comes with growth and expansion Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And going back for one minute, because I don't want to miss something so important that you said, you were a therapist running your business and then also recognizing the type of help and support that your husband's um, periodontal practice needed. And I think often as therapists, we don't think of ourselves as small business owners. And yet, that's such a critical part of this, that you saw yourself as an entrepreneur right from the get-go. And it behooves us as therapists to do that. That's why I'm so excited to have you here and share about like the merging of all of these kind of entrepreneurial um, opportunities we have, which is, it's so exciting as a therapist, as a coach, maybe blended. We have so much to talk to talk about today. Yes. And I I know for me, I really resisted that business side for a long time because I equated business with money and what did it mean if I wanted money and I wanted to make a living and I had all sorts of money mindset stuff I had to work through for sure. Mm -hmm. But truly therapists, especially therapists who are in private practice, we do need to see ourselves as business owners. That's a that's another part of our identity. And when we learn how to balance working in our business as the clinician with working on our business as the business owner, and we find that balance between the two, that's when our business thrives and our life thrives. Mm-hmm. So right. it's really about how to embrace those roles plus all of the other ones we play in order to find that sense of contentment in our work and our life. Mm. Since you said working on our business, probably this is a good time to talk about the book, Act on Your Business. A lot of the audience is therapists, so I know you bring in ACT and acceptance and commitment therapy. So just tell us a little about your inspiration for it and what they would find in that book. It's amazing, the book. I love it. I endorse it. I I read it and I tell other people about it. So, oh, thanks, Cindy. Yeah. Yeah. So, when I was practicing as a clinician, my primary modality was acceptance and commitment therapy. And I completed a traineeship and act through the Department of Veterans Affairs back in 2009. Yeah. I have to remember because I was pregnant. I'm like, what year was that? It was 2009. (laughs) But it was one of those things that it was just life changing for me. I, Mm. I really view my life as before act and after act, because it completely changed the way I viewed myself and Hmm. the world around me. And so I had a mentor as I was going through that traineeship who basically said, if you are going to be an act clinician, 
you have to be willing to do this work yourself. You cannot ask your clients to do things that you yourself are not willing to do. So I, in addition to learning how to use act with clients was doing some self-work and and in hindsight, I see it as self-coaching. So the principles of act were something that I really embodied. And then when I was making this transition into coaching, like I'll never forget, it was, it was at that 18 month point where I was feeling really disillusioned. And I don't know how often you've moved, but I find that you unpack 80% of your boxes, like in the first couple of weeks. And then the last 20% takes like three years. And so if you're lucky, (laughs) if you're exactly, I still have some boxes that are not unpacked. Um, but I was literally unpacking a box 18 months after we moved. It was all of my professional gear, all of my social work textbooks and and resources. And I stumbled on all of my act stuff and was like, Oh, Lee, it's right here in front of you. You know what to do to help get yourself back on track, to get back in touch with your values, with what matters to you, to show up in your business the way you want to. And so I went back to basics. I pulled out all of my act literature. I worked myself through so many of the exercises and that was reflected in my business. And so then there came a time in like 2017, 2018, where I was like, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about how I was able to use the principles of ACT to support me in my business and how other small business owners and entrepreneurs can find contentment and success in their lives using the principles of meaning, mindset, and mindfulness. I love ACT, but as with many psychological approaches, there's a lot of jargon and there's a lot of big words in ACT. And so I drilled it down to the three M's as my way of talking about the key ACT principles. And so even now in my coaching work, meaning mindset and mindfulness are really the, the guiding points for the work that I do. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love how you distilled it down. And it gave me chills, honestly, when you said you found the box and then you said to yourself, holy, you know how to do this. That gave me chills. Like it, it is within us. We know. And there for you, I know you have such a strong spiritual bent. And it's like that was those books called to you, you know, the package, that box, it called to you. It had to and started taking think- you to the next place. You're exactly right, Cindy. And and not only did it call to me, it called to me at exactly the right time, right mm-hmm. when I needed it. Because in hindsight, I needed those 18 months of struggle. I am the coach I am today and the coach trainer I am today and the business owner I am today because I went through those 18 months. And while I don't want to relive them, um, I'm also very grateful for the lessons that I've learned. Mm-hmm. And my goal now is I support people in their journey of becoming coaches and running coaching businesses is if I can shorten the duration that they're in that stuck point so that they're not spending 18 months there, then I've done my job. Mm, Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, I prepare for these podcasts. I do research, I make my outline, but then my guests will say something like that. You know, like you just said, Lee, right? You're grateful for those 18 months of struggle. That's why I bring this podcast to life, because that's the gold right there that we have to see. There's this hidden good that we don't always know about in our struggles. And I'm such a believer in that. I want to believe in that even more. And that's what you're offering. Like, look at my experience, find the gratitude and the way that this becomes then an opportunity. 
Absolutely. And I think when we go through those dark nights of the soul moments, mm -hmm. I don't want to bypass the emotions that come with it. It it was a really painful time. I've had mm -hmm. other times in my life that have been hard too. And again, it's not that I want to go back and relive them. And I, and I wouldn't change anything either. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like we need to honor the difficult emotions that come with it, like really give ourselves space to grieve and to hurt and honor those feelings. And that's the way through. Mm. And I think if we try to rush into action or if we rush into meaning making without really honoring what it was like to go through it, then we do ourselves a disservice. It's one of those things where I am grateful for those 18 months. I also am really hopeful I don't have to go through another period like that in right. my business. And I know that if I do, or when I do, I've got the grit and the resilience to make it through because now I've done it. And so I can mm -hmm. do it again if I need to. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. You definitely, you definitely have the grit and the resilience and you have such a powerful way of sharing and teaching with others. So with that, we're talking about coaching, but not everybody knows what coaching is, especially therapists. We are trying to have a very positive view. And I know when you started coaching, there was not always such a positive view about coaching. So we're moving into new and much more welcome territory. So let's define coaching to start. Yes, there are numerous definitions of coaching out there. And certainly the International Coach Federation, which I would say is the preeminent professional organization for coaches, has their own. I've kind of come up with my own. It's the coach with clarity definition mm -hmm. of coaching, if you will. And I define it as a dynamic, client-centered, co-creative partnership that empowers our clients to define, explore, and embody the fullest expression of themselves. So really the work we do in coaching is designed to center the client, designed to encourage creativity that comes when there's a, a meeting of the minds. So it involves the relationship. That's key as well. And whatever challenge or whatever opportunity the client is bringing to the session, we use that as the catalyst for them to really get in touch with who are you? Why does this matter to you? And how can we take action towards this in a way that aligns with your core values and your vision? So I, I suspect that the therapists out there may have heard that definition and they're like, well, yeah, that's what I do in therapy too. Right. And I think that's a fair point. I think there is a lot of overlap in therapy and coaching. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions I get asked all the time is, well, what's the difference between the two? And Cindy, I really wish I had a nice pat answer <laughs> for that. And the nice pat answers I've heard in the past, I actually don't like because I find they're really reductive. You've mm. probably heard, you know, therapy is about the past and coaching is about the future. <sighs> right. Right. Like that's a total yeah. eye roll movement. Yeah, exactly. It, it, oh, I just did that. <laughs> yeah. Well, me too. Me too. Because yeah. I think it, it reduces therapy to this idea that we're only talking about what was. And I know a lot of solution focused, future oriented therapists who do really good work with their clients. And likewise, I also know some coaches who understand how to delicately explore the past in order to place the present into context. So mm. I think if we try to do this past future binary, right. we're doing a disservice to both professions. I think for me, what differentiates the two is what is the ultimate goal of the work? And in therapy, it often is about personal exploration. There's typically a healing component, especially if you're working with trauma. 
Mm-hmm. And so perhaps the desired result is to feel like myself again, or to resolve certain symptoms. With coaching, I would say that the goal tends to be more, well, goal-oriented. Like, what is it that I want to do? What do I want to accomplish? How can coaching help me optimize my performance? So if we think about a relay race, mm-hmm. oftentimes it's the therapist who's starting that relay race and they've got the baton. And then maybe there's a point at which we hand it over to the coach to finish the race. And you need both of them working in harmony with each other to win. And so that's kind of how I think about it when I'm working with clients. And when you're running that relay race, there is a moment in the race where both people are running at the same time during the handoff. Yes. So there is that overlap. And so, yes, we have to acknowledge that there's overlap with therapy and coaching and Mm -hmm. that there are some clients or some situations that could be well served by either or both. But that doesn't mean we have to compete with each other. I think there's opportunity for collaboration between the two professions. And at the same time, I think that the burden really is on coaches to understand where the line is when it comes to, oh, this is a matter that is therapeutic in nature, and this really needs to be handled by a clinical mental health professional. This is not something that coaching is well-suited for. Right. And, and clearly in some ways it's even easier if the therapist turned coach then can see that because they would already have that training of understanding when is something more clinical in nature versus somebody who maybe goes to become accredited as a coach, but they don't have that same practice. They learn it, but they don't have the same practice as a therapist might. I think that's a fair point. And it's one of the reasons why, even though I work with a broad audience of people who are interested in moving into coaching, I will always have a soft spot in my heart for therapists who want to transition into coaching, whether as a full-time practice or whether as a side hustle. Mm -hmm. But I think therapists can really strengthen the coaching profession for just the reason you said. We have that understanding and that insight. And yes, it can be learned. And certainly in my own coach training program that I provide and in the one that I graduated from, we spend a lot of time looking at the ethics of coaching and when a referral to a mental health professional is indicated. That's a huge part of ethical yeah. coaching practice. Um, but when you are a therapist and you've had that in the trenches work, it does become easier to differentiate between the two. And so when therapists in particular ask me, well, what's the difference between the two modalities? Part of me is like, you really need to experience it because once mm. you've been coached, you start seeing, oh, okay, the application of these tools in a coaching setting are very different than they are in a therapy setting. And so there's a lot of learning through observation and, a, and learning by doing that happens in a, in a really strong coach training program. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. It really does. And there's a sense of action, you know, like the relay race and passing the baton it kind of hints at it, but then there's this action of like the coach bringing it home you know, bringing that action and the goal like really home. And I know therapists can do that too, but there's a different flavor. There yeah. is. And and again, I, I don't want any therapist to feel like they can't keep going, you know, in that relay race, they can. Mm-hmm. But if you're feeling the desire to do that, then my question to you would be, is that something you can do within the structure of the therapeutic relationship? Is that something you can do within the structure of your therapy practice? If not, then perhaps this is where we can look at adding coaching onto your work uh, so that you can 
have that experience. Now I do, there's an important caveat here that I want to mention, which is I tend to advocate that therapists who are also coaches not carry their therapy clients over into coaching. Oh, I want you to talk all about this. Absolutely. We we need to explore this because I get these questions all the time. Okay. Yes. So let's, let's dive in. Yeah. And I want to be clear, like first and foremost, what matters to me is client autonomy. Mm -hmm. And I believe that informed consent and giving our client all of the information they need to make choices, like that's paramount to me. So even though I'm about to say, really, we should not be transitioning therapy clients into coaching. I also want to respect the fact that there may be isolated cases where it is appropriate, provided that the client has been given all of the information and they are making an informed choice. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, 95 times out of a hundred, I think because of the nature of the therapeutic relationship and the ethical complications of having a dual relationship, it's really best that therapy clients stay as therapy clients. If they're interested in coaching, then you have a wonderful opportunity to refer to a coach Mm -hmm. and maybe even create a relationship with that coach so that when they have someone that needs a therapist, you're top of mind for them. So it really can be win-win. But yes, I would say for the most part, it's it's not something I advocate. I, I really feel like we need to honor the therapeutic relationship and leave it at that and not cross cross those boundaries. Because what happens if your client decides, okay, I want to move into coaching. So mm-hmm. you do, you move into coaching with them. And then all of a sudden they have a crisis and they want to go back to therapy. Then Great all point. of a sudden- Yeah. Like how do we switch? We don't, we can't switch those hats. So for me, it's just easier to draw really clear boundaries and say, nope, once a therapy client, always a therapy client. And that's where you stay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those boundaries are so important. And, and since we jumped to this, we're talking about possibly creating a second income stream, um, whether it's a full pivot or a side hustle, Explain why this needs to be a separate business. If somebody is a therapist and also a coach and they have these two businesses going side by side. I think it offers a level of legal protection, yes. Also Mm -hmm. ethical protection for the, the provider, for you as the therapist coach. So that way we know we've got a clear system and structure and protocols for our therapy business. We have revenue sources that come in for our therapy business that stay over here. And then we've got something entirely separate for coaching. And so our liability ideally is reduced when it's like, nope, this is not therapy. This is my coaching practice. Here's how I differentiate between the two approaches. Here's what I offer in my coaching practice that separates it from my therapy practice. And I've got a separate website, a separate business entity, a separate checking account. Everything is separate. And the objection that I hear a lot is, oh, that's so much work. (laughs) Like it just feels like I have to duplicate everything. And I would say, yes, it's, that's true. I can't argue that, but doing that additional work at the start will make life so much easier in the long run. And it also offers just 
another level of protection. It's something that I have consulted with several attorneys about. And in fact, yes. on my own podcast, I've got two episodes with my friend and colleague, Braden Drake, who is a small business attorney. And we talk a lot about why it's important to keep it separate. So if you are able to withstand the headaches of <laughs> creating a second business, it really is worth it in the long run. Yes, that's great. And I encourage you to check out those podcast episodes and Lee's entire podcast, Coach with Clarity podcast is so great. We're going to link to that and all of her different resources in the show notes. Did you know one in five people will experience a mental health issue this year? Mentalhealththreads.com is your online shop dedicated to promoting mental health awareness and breaking the stigma surrounding mental illness. You can find fun, creative, and inspiring products like t-shirts, hoodies, and more, all with positive messages that remind us to take care of our mental health. Favorites like Perfectly Imperfect, your anxiety is telling you lies. It's okay to not do it all. And no risk, no magic. Plus, we have a special collection just for therapists, like our bestseller. I'm a mom and a therapist. Nothing scares me. So come check it out at mentalhealththreads.com. Our mission is to start important conversations about mental health and to remind you that you are not alone. Check out mentalhealththreads.com today. You know, Lee, you have been my go-to and somebody just asked me like this week, well, if I have an LLC for my therapy business, can I just put my coaching business under that? I'm like, no, please don't. <laughs> and here's why, but you just really, really articulated so beautifully. The other thing I imagine is if, if it's not separate, then theoretically the board could look at something in your therapy business and then also have access to, or, you know, or want to quotes audit on some level, something because your coaching business is still under that same umbrella. That is a fair point. And in fact, when I first consulted with an attorney about this, his point was, if you were creating a second business, if, if you're a licensed clinician, you're seeing therapy patients, you have a therapy practice, and let's say you are creating an app and it's a mood tracking app and mm -hmm. your clients would be able to use that app in order to track their mood and then talk about it with their clinician. That is clearly therapeutically related and could safely be included under the umbrella of your therapy business entity. But if all of a sudden you were like, I think I'm going to open a mechanic shop, you know, I want right. I want to, I want to work on cars. He's like, well, that has nothing to do with therapy and is outside the scope of a therapy practice and would be inappropriate to pull under your, your therapy business. He suggested that I view coaching the same way. And it's, mm. it is admittedly a little trickier because right. we do use similar tools, similar techniques. It is about fostering client relationships, but again, the results and the outcomes are different with coaching than therapy. And I'm going to be perfectly transparent. When mm -hmm. I started my coaching practice, I did start it under my therapy business because I didn't know better. And the more I did that, the more I realized I'm really feeling like I'm in murky waters here because my business is associated with my license. Like literally my exactly. board exactly. had to sign off. Yeah. Had to sign off on my business, but I am providing services that are not clinical. 
So this just feels really fuzzy. That's when I sought counsel from an attorney and I should, you know, here's the caveat. I'm not an attorney. So everything I'm talking about, <laughs> please don't right. take that as legal but advice. But you're an expert coach. You're ICF certified. You're also a trainer. Your institute also provides training and certification. So we can trust what Lee is telling us. Thank you for that. And also yes. consult with your own attorney. <laughs> and consult but, with your own attorney. Right. Yes. But yeah, his recommendation was if you are not practicing therapy with your clients, you should not be doing it under the auspices of your therapy business. You need to set it up as a separate entity. Mm -hmm. Right. And also for clarity of the client as a consumer, think of them going to a website and saying, oh, which do I want? Well, you know, it, it could be confusing for them to even figure that out. That's such a great point. And I think all the more reason why it's important to have really separate marketing messages for your therapy practice and your coaching practice if you're doing both. Ooh, I and that. I know that can get a little blurry because sometimes your ideal client for your coaching practice may be a later in life version of your ideal client for your therapy practice. Demographically, psychographically, mm -hmm. it can get a little tricky. That's why we want to be so clear on the purpose, the expected outcomes, the goals, the results, because that's often what differentiates the two the two businesses. Mm, that's really a great way to look at it. And I I love that suggestion. It probably happens quite often that your coaching client is a, a later version, maybe a more matured or a different at a different developmental stage of your client that's your niche in therapy. So do you think identifying a niche is really important for coaching as well? Like, can you speak a little bit on that? I will say, I think you will make your life a million times easier if you choose a niche for your coaching practice. It doesn't mean you have to, you are welcome to be a generalist. You can put yourself out there and say, I'm going to coach everyone and anyone. And I'm sure there are coaches who do and are very successful. But I find that when we try to speak to everyone, we wind up speaking to no one. Mm. And I think it's important to remember too, that when we choose a niche, that is a marketing strategy. It is not a service strategy. And what I mean by that is choosing a niche and speaking to an audience is basically helping us refine our marketing message so that we are speaking to the people we most want to connect to. But that doesn't mean we have to limit ourselves in serving only those people. Sometimes our message will resonate with people who don't tick all the boxes mm -hmm. for our ideal client, who don't necessarily meet the demographic and psychographic elements that we expect them to. But for some reason, our message has resonated with them. And as the coach, as the business owner, we can decide, do I want to work with this person, even though maybe they're outside the scope of my niche? So we can still serve them. It doesn't mean we have to limit what we do, but it does offer us some parameters and some structure when it comes to talking about what we do, who we work with and how we coach. Yes. Oh, that's so important. You know, I kind of went through that myself, even just setting up this podcast, which has nothing to do with coaching, but really, you know, honing in on the fact that I was still going to be speaking to my ideal audience as therapists. And it might seem like, oh, Cindy, you should have figured that out. You're a therapist. That shouldn't be so hard to figure out. But it actually was a little difficult to figure out. And I, I think that brings up a really important point, which is your niche is not carved in stone. Mm 
And as you evolve as a coach, as your business grows, it's natural that your audience and your niche, who you serve, how you serve them, that's going to grow and evolve as well. So your niche may change over time. It may take you Mm -hmm. six months, 12 months, 18 months to figure out (laughs) who it is you really want to work with and, and how you want to serve them. And I know that that can feel frustrating and it's like, oh, right. why did it take me so long? But I think that's often part of the process. And, and we need that time of working with different types of people, different populations to figure out what really lights me up, who do I really connect with? And then that gives us data to go back and just refine and, and sometimes even reinvent our practices. Yes. And so for you, Lee, you did that when you started with more of the executive and corporate coaching and thinking you were going to really kind of go down that path. And then I think the little bit that I know of you, you then started like infiltrating more around inner wisdom and spirituality. I love everything you have around spirituality and entrepreneurship. And I hope you'll come back and talk about that exclusively. But maybe share a little bit about, you know, where where you landed in coaching. Let's start there. Yes. So as I alluded to before, the first year and a half of my business, I was pretty much working with anyone who would work with me. And I was more that generalist coach with a theoretical focus on executive and corporate coaching, but I wasn't really that passionate about it. And so it makes sense that I kind of stumbled into working with just anyone. Mm -hmm. And I just felt foggy and disconnected. And so when I started looking at the clients I really loved working with, they were all therapists and healthcare professionals. And so then I thought, all right, I may as well just kind of go all in and really focus on business coaching for therapists. Mm -hmm. I like it. I enjoy it. Let's try that. And so I did. And what I found was that the more I worked with that population, therapists and healthcare providers, the more they would then say, huh, tell me about this coaching thing. Like, how did you become a coach? And can you help me become a coach? Yes. And so then I thought, all right, there may be something here. And so the program that you and I were in, that Mm -hmm. was where I started my pivot into training and education. And it's when I developed my very first small group coaching program called From Couch to Coach. I remember that. Yes. Well, and you know, what's so funny is I'm actually bringing it back. Like literally later this month, I'm going to launch another cohort of from couch to coach. I haven't done it in years, but I just am feeling like, yeah, let's do it. It, it, This one will not be limited to just therapists. It's really aimed at anyone who wants to build a coaching practice. So things are coming full circle. That's, that's great. Well, and I love that, you know, we learn from all other disciplines, so that's great. Yes. Yeah. I love that multidisciplinary approach. So that's kind of the angle we're taking this time. But back in 2018, it really was to help therapists and healers transition Mm -hmm. into coaching. Mm -hmm. And so that small group program, I ran a few cohorts of that. I then kind of took it and used it to help launch a membership, which is now the Coach with Clarity Collective. And that is accredited by ICF for continuing education education for coaches. Um, But even more than that, it's just a place where we can explore the art and business of coaching. And then I did that membership program for a while. And then Mm -hmm. finally, I was like, I think it's time for me to do a training program. I think it's time for me to really lean in certification. And yeah, wow is right. Like I was terrified. I, I 
the whole time, even now I'm still like, who am I to think that I can do this? I don't know. You, you don't (laughs) seem like somebody who would be terrified of much. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. But no, I definitely was. I, I, even now it's still like, there are so many coach training programs out there. Some of them have been around for decades. They're huge. They're these huge corporate entities. And then there's me with my little boutique business, but that's my sweet spot. That's my specialty. And so instead of viewing it as a liability, I'm like, I'm going to lean in because I can provide customized training and service for my people, unlike any large corporate training company. So bingo, right? That's, that's your sweet spot, the boutique business. And isn't that the way, aren't we seeing more and more of that all across the board? Yes. And I think too, what's so exciting is that that's what people want now more than anything. They they don't want to be some faceless name on a list of thousands of email addresses. Like they want to feel connected to the people behind the businesses, the people behind the programs. And so I don't know what that means for me. It, it I don't necessarily want to be like an eight-figure corporation. I really like the small, intimate way I'm able to engage with my clients and my students. So I'm really mindful of not growing for growth's sake, like Mm -hmm. of of making sure that I'm able to have those relationships with my people, because that's why I went into coaching to begin with. Right. You Um, don't want to lose touch with like the pulse of your people, with their uniqueness, with who they are. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So that's kind of the evolution. You know, I went from coaching anyone to coaching therapists and healthcare providers to based on their interest, moving into training and education around coaching itself, which led to small group programs, which led to a membership, which ultimately led to a certification. And so now I'm at the point where I, I, I have a lot going on in my business actually, right? Um, but I, I love that. And, but at the core is coaching and I still do work with one-on-one clients. Uh, I have a small mastermind mm. cohort. And when I say small, I mean it, it's like three to five people in a cohort, no more than that, because I love it so much. And I don't want to lose that connection I feel in coaching. So I've got the coaching side of the house and the training side of the house mm-hmm. and I'm I'm loving it. I'm just loving it. That's so beautiful. I know you've been in other masterminds. Do you feel like that's a really good number in terms of everybody getting what they need? Like that smaller group? I really enjoy that. I think you can go larger. Um, Mm -hmm. And actually I'm in a program right now that calls itself a mastermind and there's like a hundred of us. Um, Yes. So we can talk about whether that's really yeah. a mastermind or not. I, I think for this particular group, because of who's in it and the way it's structured, and there is an opportunity for all of the members to share their wisdom and their knowledge and support each other, an argument can be made that sure, that's a mastermind. Yeah. For me though, I love the small groups, like three mm-hmm. to eight, but really that four to five, I think is kind of a sweet spot. Um, especially because in the work that I do in my masterminds, yes, there are the group meetings that I'm facilitating, but there's also one-on-one work mm-hmm. and to try to do deep one-on-one work with a hundred people, I think right. would, certainly would overwhelm me. So I like the smaller number. I, I, I like the attention that yeah. each person is able to receive. That's, that's great. I want to go back to something you said too. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. Cause I think mastermind is such a buzz right now. And so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm really curious about how they're set up differently, but you said that you were creating 
therapists and healthcare workers, coaching for them. And then the therapist started saying to you, well, how can I be a coach? Yes. You were helping them with their businesses and they started to ask you, well, how can I be a coach? And what I, I love is also the vulnerable way you share your process, because in some in some way, that feels like your self-coaching, like listening to what your audience is saying, being receptive and being open and taking that as the wisdom to then move you to the next place. And so it just seems really powerful. That's that's why I'm so excited to have you as a guest, because we learn so much just like from the underneath as well as what you're saying. I love that you brought that out as a point, because I, I think that's so important regardless of what kind of business you're in, you have to listen to your clients or your customers or your consumers. Mm -hmm. They will tell you what they want and they will tell you what they need. You just have to listen. Now, you also have to listen to your own inner wisdom. You have to listen to your own internal GPS. And I was fortunate that my clients were saying, hey, can you teach me how to be a coach? And my inner wisdom was saying, this is your area of expertise. You can do this. So there was a match. Mm. Had there not been a match, had I gotten the sense of this is not your territory, that's probably a path I wouldn't have gone down. So I think it's about finding that balance between responding to your clients and really listening to them, but also honoring your own truth and your own direction. Hmm. Yeah. How do you feel that this coaching or self-coaching, whether a therapist works with their own coach or they do some self-coaching, how can that be helpful for us as a profession dealing with things like self-care, burnout, finding meaning in our work? Because we experience that a lot, those issues. And what you talk about, it's it gets people so intrigued and excited that there's something else that may be there, that may be a tool. I view self-coaching as a form of self-care. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we're talking about self-care, it's not, it's not brunch and manicures. Although I like a good brunch and I like a good manicure. <laughs> um, nothing wrong with a massage, but self-care really is about doing the internal work. And so self-coaching is a way to do that. It's a way for us to grow our own awareness of who we are, of what we want, of how we want to connect what we do with a with a deeper legacy or a greater impact. And there's also a lot of mindset work that comes with that. And, you know, I, I know talking to you and talking to therapists, like we know what mindset work is. Mm-hmm. And the w- way that I like to view it is how we relate to our internal experiences. Those internal experiences are often thoughts. There's the cognitive piece, but it's also the feelings, the emotions, the sensations, all of that. And so when we develop ways to respond to and relate to those internal experiences so that we can appreciate the desired ones and make space for the uncomfortable or the unwanted ones, and we recognize this is the sum total, I'm all of this and I have to face all of this. We can do that through self-coaching work. And then in turn, we can then come back to meaning what, what matters most to us and decide, all right, what actions do I want to take here that are aligned with what matters most to me? And so that's kind of the blend of mindset and meaning. And then we bring mindfulness in because mindfulness encourages us to be present in the now and Mm. to meet the moment with a sense of curiosity and openness. And that's a great thing to bring to mindset work without getting too attached 
to the outcome, just kind of letting it be. And for me, that's the most challenging part of mindfulness work is the non-attachment piece. Right. You know, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's, a, that's, yeah, a tough that's part, hard right? for most of us. Yes. Which is why they call it a practice, right? Because we got to practice it. But for me, that's how I weave in the three M's, meaning mindset and mindfulness with coaching and especially with self-coaching, because really it's all about how can I do that internal work, do that reflection, respond to my internal experiences in such a way where I feel more deeply connected to my own identity, my own purpose, so that I can then externalize that through my decisions and my actions. Amazing. And so with that, you bring in the act, the meaning mindset and mindfulness, and then that can become self-coaching for us. And that can become, I mean, it's described as, as a spiritual practice as well. You know, I don't think that could be argued. It is for me, certainly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mindfulness is not a Western invention by any stretch. And and a lot of ACT material has its roots in spiritual philosophy. Mm -hmm. So I think it, it doesn't have to be a spiritual practice, but it absolutely can be. And I know for you and for me, it is. Right. Absolutely. I just want to share a quote you had said, you shared with me that self-coaching is critical to surviving and thriving as a therapist, as it gets to the heart of how we care for ourselves. Because we know as therapists, if we are not caring for ourselves, if we are not extending ourselves the same level of grace and compassion that we offer our clients, then we are going to run dry. We are going to run the risk of burning out. Mm -hmm. And so self-coaching is a tool to ensure that we are replenishing our stores, that we are giving to ourselves so that we can in turn give to our clients, our friends, our family, people we love and care about, our communities. It's, It's fundamental. Right, right. And we have to know ourselves too, you know? So, I mean, there's, there's that self-care and replenishing part, but also like knowing our values. You're so big on values. I, I can't wait till you guys see Lee's website, which is beautiful. And there's so much there. I love the piece you have on values. Also on, you just mentioned community and you talk about community with um, like conscious community. Is it conscious connection, conscious community? Mm-hmm. Can you help me understand yeah. that? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's funny. It's, it's been a few years actually, since I've written that values page on my website and I've been feeling called lately to go back and revisit it. Not because mm-hmm. I don't mean what's on that page or that's inaccurate. It, it, it's very much what I believe, but it's like, oh, we can, we can go even deeper. Mm. But this idea of coaching is a vehicle for conscious connection, that when we know ourselves deeply, when we foster that connection with our own identity, we are then better equipped to connect with others and to witness the beauty of their identity as well. And we can understand that there's a coexistence that happens and that I, my deep self can honor your deep self. And we connect that way. We create that bond. And then that bond extends out through our families and our friends and into our communities. And it creates this ripple effect. And we're doing so in a very conscious, intentional way where it is values led values driven. Mm -hmm. And I, I just really believe that connection and, and those types of relationships, that's, that's where healing happens, not just on a personal level, but on a on a collective level. I think, you know, 
we just need to watch the news to see the myriad ways that we're, our society is suffering right now. And I think there's a level of disconnection that's at the heart of it. And so how do we counter that by really fostering deep, true connections with others? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, I, I keep getting chills as you describe this, but these are, these are huge needs that we have in our personal lives and in our communities. And just that notion that we could we could connect, have, have a broader sense of kinship, like, you know, move, move our peripheries out a little bit. And I know that we long to do that. I know as therapists, sometimes we're not so good at that. And being able to create that identity and and share and reach for the other person. I, I just truly hope that we can do more of that. Like you said, I do too. How can a therapist, so this question is kind of Moving into if a therapist wants to consider like creating a coaching business or getting trained in coaching. But one of the reasons that we might do this is so that we move away from, as you say, selling our souls model of therapy. Well, I I think it's important to think about, okay, before I kind of launch this coaching business, like what is the point? What's, what's the purpose here? What, how will this serve me? Um, because once we actually get into the business of it, then we're going to be talking a lot about your clients and it's going to be a very client centered thing. But as we're getting it started, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that like you are the business owner here. So Mm -hmm. how does this connect with your vision? How can this support you? What is it that you are looking for in this business? So it starts with that identity work and understanding why you're suited for coaching, the strengths that you bring to it, and then the impact that you want to have. Once Mm -hmm. we're clear on that, then we can start talking about the business fundamentals, your audience, who you want to serve, your approach, how do you serve them, your offers, like specifically what types of coaching offers will you make available? Once we're clear on identity, audience, approach, and offer, then comes the fun part of marketing and sales. (laughs) Right. A little tongue in cheek. Um, but once we've got this great offer, then we got to tell the world about it. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's kind of the, the roadmap that I often use with my clients, but it starts with getting really clear on you first as the coach, and then it ripples out to who you serve, how you serve them, what you offer. And then we go out from there. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I, I love the trademarked coach with clarity framework that you have and the four pillars, I'm just going to name them because I think the listeners will be so intrigued, but the four pillars of Lee's coach with clarity framework are coaching skills, business growth, intentional use of self and intuition and energy. Yes. Who doesn't want that? (laughs) So juicy, right? It Um, is. You know, and I think what I find in coaching is a lot of people focus on the business growth piece, which is important. I mean, we are in business. We do need to generate revenue, make a profit. We deserve to, you know, take Mm -hmm. care of ourselves and our families. So we don't want to lose sight of the business growth piece, especially if you are an independent coach. There are some coaches who work for companies, but I would say the, the majority of us own our own businesses. But then of course, so we do the job of building our business. We're great at marketing. We're great at sales. We need to make sure we understand how to actually serve our clients. And so that's where the coaching skills piece comes in so that we are always working on mastering our craft 
Yeah. And this is why I love being in the training and education side of things, because I don't care how long you've been coaching. There's always more to learn. There's always more to explore. And so continuing to hone your coaching skills is a really important part of that process. And then as we are coaching, this is where the other two pieces, the other two pillars come in. The first is intentional use of self. And this is a concept I know therapists in particular are going right. to be familiar with, right? Exactly. How the do self we of use therapist? Ourselves? Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. And while that's something that I was very familiar with um, as a therapist, I wasn't really seeing it explicitly explored in the coaching world, at least when mm. I started. I think we're starting to see more of it now. But you know, in the coaching relationship, we are our, our own best tool. So how can we effectively and ethically use ourselves right. in order to serve the client? Um, and so that's where intentional use of self comes in. And then there's this fourth pillar that feels a little nebulous. And yet I think it's at the heart of really powerful coaching and that's intuition and energy. How do we honor our own wisdom, that intangible quality of knowing without knowing how we know <laughs> very right. meta there. <laughs> and also respecting that energetic connection that we co-create with the client. And if you're so inclined also the co-creation with spirit and how that comes in to inform it as well. So that intuitive piece and recognizing the energy that's very much at the heart of coaching as well. Mm -hmm. That's, that's so beautiful. I know I've, I've shared this before. I, I could not be a therapist if I didn't, you know, use self of therapist. If I, if I didn't embrace um, the intuitive side and especially if I didn't have any kind of spiritual foundation, like that's so important. So as you heard Lee describe this, then go back in your minds to the very beginning of our conversation, right? Because you may be thinking, oh, wow, I am really, I'm really expert at these. These are the things that light me up in therapy. And so then ask yourself that part about the difference between therapy and coaching. And are you really interested in the ultimate goal of the work that might be different with a coaching client than a therapy client. And that's going to help you. I think you correct me if I'm wrong, Lee, but I think that would help, right? Help you understand if you might be interested in dabbling in coaching, you know, exploring a training, joining your collective, all of those other things because of that, that different goal and result. I really love how you've outlined that. I, I think that's exactly right. And I would say too, that if you have that little sense inside mm -hmm. that, Hmm, this coaching thing, you know, maybe once upon a time I was skeptical. Cause let me tell you, I was skeptical of coaching once upon a time. Um, and yet then I kept coming back to it and I kept coming mm -hmm. back to it. And so I would say to you and, and to your listeners that if you have that sense that coaching might be something you want to explore, don't ignore it. Even if it, takes you to a place other than coaching. I think right. when we honor our intuition and follow the path, we're going to, it's going to lead us to discovering something new and it may be coaching. It may be something else, but that's, if you have that true. sense, yeah, follow it, follow yeah. it. I have so many coaching books on my bookshelf besides therapy books, and I'm not a coach. The, the, the door is still open. So we'll see. And maybe it's leading me into something else, but I, I love how you said that. It's it's worth exploring. 
So tell us some of the different ways therapists can be in touch with you. Yes. Well, anybody, anybody who's listening, because yes, please. I want to continue the conversation. Um, I'm at Coach with Clarity pretty much anywhere. So you can find my website, coachwithclarity.com. That's also where you can learn more about the podcast. Um, If our discussion of the three M's has intrigued you, you can download a free chapter of my book at coachwithclarity.com slash act. So that's really the hub of everything. And Mm -hmm. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Coach with Clarity. Ooh, TikTok too. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. I'm kind of playing with that. I go, I go in phases. <laughs> yeah. And Lee, you have a spring cohort coming up. Maybe share with us about that. I do. I've got a couple things happening this spring, which is really exciting. As I mentioned before, we're bringing back from couch to coach, which is an eight week program. It's kind of a boot camp to help you get your coaching practice up and running. Or if you are in the early stages to help just shore up your business foundations. And then if you have been coaching for a while and you're looking to grow, maybe add group programs, just find a way to, to leverage that experience on a deeper level. Um, that's where the coach with clarity mastermind may come in. So if you're interested in being a part of one of those smaller cohorts, definitely head to coachwithclarity.com, send me an email and we'll discuss. Oh, that's great. That's great. Oh, I love that. Eight weeks. That sounds doable. Yes. (laughs) And is the coach with clarity collective, something that's open only certain times of the year? Right now it's open all the time. So it's kind of an evergreen program. And I really love the collective we have. It works out to almost weekly calls, four calls a month. So almost every week um, with each one being a different topic. So we have a co-working session so you can come bring your Mm -hmm. to-do list and get stuff done. We have guest expert trainings where I bring in industry experts from other fields to talk about um, all of the things that coaches need to do to build their businesses and hone their craft. We've got monthly Q&A session. So if you've got questions about anything related to the art or business of coaching, you've got me um, providing feedback. And then my very favorite part are our spotlight coaching calls where I coach a member for about 40 minutes. And then the rest of the time we have a group debrief about the coaching skills and techniques that were observed. So it's a great way as a member for you to receive coaching, but it's also a great way to expand your practice of coaching by observation and discussion. Right. Right. Like shadowing and learning and, oh, that's amazing. So generous, so valuable. I love it. Oh, thanks, Cindy. Yeah. So one of the final questions I ask my guests is what is your definition of a heart-centered therapist? My Maybe we should say heart-centered coach. Well, we'll, we'll say a heart-centered service provider. Maybe I don't know. That's a little vague, but I will say I still have a heart for therapy. How about this heart centered? Yeah. Service servants. Yes. (laughs) We'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. I think my definition of a heart centered therapist or a heart centered coach is someone who understands how to honor their own identity and use that in service to someone else, whether it's a therapy client or a coaching client, how can we use our own strengths, our gifts, our wisdom, and our compassion and love to support people through their dark nights of the soul. And as they emerge from that dark night into the day and are ready for the next challenge. Hmm. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Lee. This has just been amazing. I really want to acknowledge you. Um, thank you for being on the podcast. And I want to acknowledge you for the beautiful work you're doing, helping so many clients, so many providers, therapists, coaches, other people be able to do that. What you just said, work from the heart and touch others, improve their lives and build, you know, this, this community that's going to make life better for so many people. So I really want to acknowledge you for the beautiful work you're doing. Well, thank you. I I received that with gratitude and it has been such an honor to be on your show, Cindy. I am just so grateful for all of the support that you provided me five-ish years ago as I was really moving into Mm. Coach with Clarity. I am forever grateful for that. And so all the more reason why I was so excited to be a guest on your show. So thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Lee. That's, That's so amazing. And it's mutual. Please, everybody check out coachwithclarity.com and also Lee's podcast, Coach With Clarity podcast, and look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I invite you to subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps other people find this podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links and resources mentioned. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.